Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household, you're all doing well. We are talking about uh, the call of God and we are giving examples from the Old Testament about how God called different people through the course of history and how each one of these uh, people who God called, they were very different to one another. And the way God called them was, uh, I mean, he called them in many different ways and uh, and they, they were called to do different tasks. So it's very interesting. There's no cookie cutter, cookie cutter formula when it comes to God's calling upon the life, life of an individual. So, but the last uh, we were studying was uh, about Joshua. Uh, and so, uh, and I stopped at this that I quoted uh, from... Uh, uh, Exodus thirty-three, eleven, 11, uh, that when the Lord spoke to Moses face to face and Joshua, who was his attendant, was always with him. So this is when Moses would, would go into the tabernacle and to hear from the Lord. And it says uh, in verse 11, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And then he, he turned again into the camp. That means when the Lord had had done speaking with uh, with Moses, Moses would get up from there and leave the tabernacle and go back into the camp. They said, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man departed not out of the tabernacle. So we see two things about Joshua. The first thing was that he had the heart of a servant. He, he had a servant's heart. He served Moses uh, as his personal attendant, as his personal servant. He, he served the man of God. Uh, service is a, a is a is a great way to promotion in the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, um, some some time ago, uh, I got a young man. Well, I never met him face to face, but he wrote to me. He said he wanted to join our team in Africa, and he had some glowing recommendations from his pastor and from you know people who knew him. And uh, what I always do when people apply to join my team, I always ask them, what are your, your, uh, your positive sides and what, uh, what do you think are your, sh your uh, shortcomings and drawbacks? I just wanted to, you know, it's just a way of me knowing where people stand. And this guy, he basically had no drawbacks, you know, according to himself. But his, uh, what he wanted to be, he wanted to be a leader. That was his, he wanted to join my team to be a leader. He says, I'm very good. I'm a very good leader. And so, you know, I didn't take him uh, because uh, the kind of people you look for uh, to work in the ministry, uh, I, I look for the first quality I look at is whether they're teachable. And secondly, if they have a servant's heart, because if you have somebody who is teachable, who has a servant's heart, he's going to go far. In the army, uh, the ability to command troops is uh, determined. Uh, one of the main things that they look at uh, when they look at a junior officer, whether he should be promoted uh, you know, to, to a greater command of a greater number of troops. Uh, one of the things, the, one of the main things they look at is his ability to receive orders and to carry out orders. So uh, a good, uh, a good, uh, uh, how, how should I put it? A man who's good 
at taking orders, at receiving orders and carrying them out is going to be a good commander on the field. So it's not your ability to lead that people look at, but your ability to, to be led, your ability to submit to authority that determines uh, your ability to command. So that's a, it's a very interesting thought here. So the first quality that, jo uh, that Joshua had was that he had the heart of a servant and uh, the second thing was he left, he, uh, he loved the presence of God because when the Lord would be speaking to Moses, Joshua would be right there. And when Moses would leave the tabernacle and go and face the people to tell them what the Lord had spoken to him, Joshua, he just loved to linger on in the presence of God. He loved the presence of God. So no wonder God chose Joshua. So Let's go back to Joshua 1 verses 1 to 9. He says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, the Moses' servant, saying, He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people unto the land, which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said to Moses and then he gives he gave him the bounds uh, of the land you know from the wilderness and Lebanon even to the great river the river Euphrates all the land of the Hittites unto the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be a coast then it says there shall no man be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses so I will be with you I will not fail you know forsake you so it's interesting that God had already when God called Joshua, God had already predetermined a path for him. So he told him where he should go. And then he says, listen, every place where your foot shall tread, I have already given to you. Hallelujah. Isn't that a wonderful assurance? God calls Joshua and tells him that now you go and lead the people. Moses is dead. Now you're going to take his place and lead the people. But every place where you set your foot, I have already given to you. So Joshua was walking uh, in, a, in a predestined destiny. He had a destiny to fulfill. God had already charted and planned things out for him. And then he says, wherever you go, he says, nobody Nobody shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Why? Because just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Because Joshua, being Moses' personal servant, had seen uh, Moses walk with God. And he, knew, and he also knew how God spoke to Moses as a friend face to face. So Moses walked in this intimacy with the Father. So Joshua knew that. And and uh, the Lord said to Joshua, look, the same intimacy uh, that Moses had with me, I'm going to have with you. And as I was with him, I'm going to be with you. So that is why don't, nobody will be able to stand against you. But this is what you have to do. He says, be strong and of good courage. You know, you have to be strong and be of good courage. So even though God has predetermined everything and charted his paths, and, uh, but Joshua actually had to do something. He, he had to be strong and he had to be courageous and he actually had to go and set 
his footprints on the land because God would only give him the places uh, where he would tread the ground with his faith, with his feet. So here's another thing about the calling of God, that when God calls a man, he expects that man to be strong and courageous and do something with it. Because I, you know, I knew a guy years ago and he, I mean, he's older now. He should be close to 70. But I knew him as a young man. And I remember telling him, telling me with tears that since he was a teenager, he had been called by God to preach the gospel. And uh, I have watched him preach. I took him with me to a conference, gave him a couple of meetings. He did a great job behind the pulpit. But the one thing he lacked was courage. He could talk the talk, but he could not walk the walk. He lacked that courage uh, and that faith and that boldness uh, to actually do something with the calling on his life. But he would weep and he would tell me, brother, I know all this. My dad is in the ministry. I know I'm called by God. And I encouraged him. I did his, I did my very best. And I worked together with another pastor who would mentor him and, you know, walk with him. But he just didn't have the guts to do it. So uh, no matter, even if God calls you, you must have the courage to, to step out and tread the ground with your feet and whatever you tread God has said I have predetermined that is yours and I will never leave you nor forsake you I will be with you like I was with Moses but I want you to be strong and I want you to be courageous because if you're not strong if you're not courageous God will not do it for you okay so it says uh, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do all according to the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from the right or to the left that you may prosper whether, wherever you go. So the other thing you have to do, don't turn, don't be distracted. Don't turn to the left, don't to the right, uh, don't turn to the right. There's always distractions. You know, I, 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 I'm doing this, what I'm doing. And, and over the years I have had people come to me they say, brother, you have such, you have influence and people know you and all that. And I have this excellent idea for you, how you can be financially independent. And uh, all you have to do is invest money and do this business. It's a surefire thing. And, uh, and God will use that to bless you. And then you'll have all the money that you need to do missions. And, and you know, the Lord told me, the Lord told me this thing. He says, I don't want you to be in a place where you don't have to trust me, where where the money just rolls in without you having to trust me. I don't want you in that place. And I suddenly realized that the Bible says that just shall live by faith. And secondly, um, I don't uh, uh, like the, uh, you know, using the, uh, you see, it's like this. The pulpit is a holy place. The platform is a holy place. And that God-given influence that I have, it is because of the gospel alone. And that influence should be used for the gospel alone to bring people to Jesus. So I don't want to use that influence I have over people through the preaching of the gospel to buy and sell things, to do business on the basis of that God-given influence. I, it, I would call it prostituting the anointing. You just do not do that. 
And so don't be distracted to the left or to the right because all that glitters is not gold. Do not be distracted. Just stay with the word of God. Stay with what God says in his word and do not look to the left, to the right. And then it says, verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart of your, out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written, written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So your, your success will depend upon the word of God in your mouth and in your heart. You say you meditate on this word day and night, and then do according to what is written. So you shall meditate on the word, and you shall it shall not depart your mouth. That means the word of God shall always be in your mouth. So if you want to succeed in God's calling on your life, my friend, meditate on the word, speak the word in it with your mouth, and then do what is written in the word. Then it says, then you shall make your way prosperous. You shall have success. Then it says, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. Neither thou be dismayed for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. So it is, again, we see, we see the, we see that we see the hand and the calling of God. We see the hand and the calling of God and gives us a little bit more detail, uh, you know, about the, about the calling that was on the life of Joshua. A little bit more detail than we see the calling uh, up on, on Abraham, uh, uh, you know, and, um, uh, but, but anyway, so now let, let's look at another person called by God. It's very fascinating to see different men of God called by God. And of course, there's many, many men that God used in the scripture and we can't, uh, we can't uh, go through uh, everybody, but we'll, we'll look at a few. Now, the next one I want to look at, at Samson in the book of Judges, chapter 13, verses 1 to 25. I, I'm reading through a lot of scriptures because I want you to follow these scriptures and read the scriptures yourself. And I'm going to read them to you because the scriptures are what speak to us and the scriptures are what teach us. It says, and the children of God did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistine 40 years. So, uh, you know, when the people of Israel followed the Lord with all their heart, God blessed them. But when they, uh, the Bible says they did evil in the sight of the Lord, that means that they turned away from, from the Lord and they worshipped idols and they were backslidden. That's when they suffered. Uh, they couldn't live in God's covenant blessings. They would sow, the enemy would reap, the enemy would come and, and defeat them and take everything they had. So they suffered and they lived in poverty. So this was the situation when the children of Israel, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And although they were God's covenant people, because of their sin, they suffered for 40 years. Can you imagine suffering for 40 years? And he says, and there was a certain man of Zorah out of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. So there was a, um, uh, there was a, uh, a man from Zora, he, he was from the tribe of Dan, and his name was Manoah, and his wife was barren. They couldn't have any children. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, you are barren and do not bear, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, uh, 
uh, and drink not wine nor strong drink and eat not any unclean thing. It says, you shall conceive and you shall bear a son. So from now on, you're not to drink any wine or any alcohol and not eat anything unclean. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come on his head. He shall not cut his hair for the child shall be a Nazirite unto God from the womb. That means he shall be a Nazirite dedicated to the Lord. Now people who are Nazirites, they were specially dedicated to the Lord. They lived in celibacy and they didn't touch alcohol, strong drink, and they didn't cut their hair. So uh, he's, going to be, he's going to be a Nazirite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So he said that, uh, and this boy, who you shall conceive, he, she is going to deliver Israel from the Philippi, uh, Philistines. I have sent him as a deliverer to Israel. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, a man of God came unto me. She thought it was a man of God, but it was actually an angel. A man of God came unto me, and his countenance, his face was like the face of an angel of God, very terrible. Uh, but I asked him not whence he was, neither told me his name. What he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. He's going to be a Nazarite. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O Lord, let the man of God which you send come again to us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And the Lord heard the voice of Manoah, and the angel of the Lord came again to the woman, and she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Look, the man has appeared to me, uh, uh, appeared to me that came into me the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his man and came to the man and said unto him, are you the man that spaketh unto the woman? And he said, I am. So the angel came and, you know, God heard his prayer. And Manoah said, now let the words come to pass. How shall we order the child and how shall we do with him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, of all that I said unto the woman, let her be beware. That means let her be careful to observe all the words that I said to her. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded, let her observe. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee. That means stay with us until we have made ready a kid for thee. That in those days, you know, the way they showed hospitality was by slaughtering a baby goat or a lamb and cooking it for their guests. He says, please come and stay. Let us cook a goat for you. And, uh, and the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat of your bread. And if you will offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For the Lord knew not that he was an angel of the Lord. For Manoah knew not he was an angel of the Lord. So he said, Don't give me any food, but if you want to offer an animal, offer it unto the Lord as a burnt offering. Uh, and, because, and Manoah didn't know that this man who they were talking to was actually an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name that when your sayings come to pass, we may do you honor? And the angel said unto the Lord, why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is a secret? Why do you ask my name since it's a secret? So Manoah took a kid 
with a meat offering, took a baby goat as a meat offering and offered it upon a rock unto the Lord. And the angel did wondrously and Manoah and his wife looked on. So Manoah, he took a baby goat and offered it on a rock uh, as an offering to the Lord. Um, and for it came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar and Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces on the ground. He says, when the flames on the burnt offering went up, the angel of the Lord ascended in those flames and Manoah and his wife, they looked on it and they prostrated themselves on the ground. But, and the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and his wife than Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. And then Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die because we have seen God. But his wife said unto him, if the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would have not received a burnt offering and a meat offering at our hands. Neither would have he have showed us all these things, nor would as at this time have told us such things as these. And the woman bare a son. I'm I've told you this whole story because I want you to understand the wonderful supernatural circumstances as, uh, concerning the birth of this child. Okay, I mean, Abraham was born an ordinary guy, you know, and but this child was special. He There was a lot of supernatural. There was angelic visitation and the word of God and just an amazing amazing situation. I wanted you to see this. That's why I showed you the scriptures and read you the story. And then it says, and the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. Samson actually uh, is funny. It actually means little son. That's what Samson means. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. So the woman, she bore this child. This child was a child of promise. He was called and God spoke about him from before he was even conceived. And the woman bore this son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And then he says, and the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Ashtor. That means even in his childhood, Samson began to know the move of the Holy Spirit. He got familiar. He began to understand the moving of the Holy Spirit from a very, very tender age because he, God had a special purpose for this child, a special calling on this child, and God had raised up this child uh, for a special purpose to bring deliverance to the people of Israel and he would take the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost moved upon him. But you know, so you look at the extraordinary uh, circumstances around the birth of Samuel and how God called him. But the, the sad thing is that Samuel actually ended up wasting his life. He became a womanizer and uh, the spirit of the Lord would come upon him from time to time. But all those mighty feats of strength he did uh, only, he did those mighty feats of strength only when he got into trouble because of his own flesh. And so that is when the Holy Ghost could come upon him and deliver him from some kind of trouble he had gotten into because of his own flesh and it was only at the end when they cut his hair he lost the anointing and they made him blind and his hair began to grow out again it was right at the last moments of his life that he turned to God and he cried out 
cried out to the Lord and the Lord answered him and answered him and sent his power upon Samson and Samson shook the pillars of the temple you know the story and then and then he died he but he also killed all the leaders of the Philistines and he managed to deliver his people now that wasn't God's uh, plan for his best plan for Samson's life to end that way but it was, I mean, he wasted his whole life. So that means that even though if you're called and anointed by God, do not end up wasting your life by living on the flesh and taking things for granted because that's what Samson did. But right, thank God, at the end of his life, he cried out unto God one time, one last time, and the Spirit of God came upon him and he, in his death, he accomplished that which he should have done in his life. And in that process, he paid with his life. He lost his life. What a, what a, a, a tragic ending. Uh, there was a good ending in the sense that the Philistine leaderships were destroyed and the people of Israel were set free. But the sad thing was that Samson had to pay with his life because he lived in sin, lived after the flesh all his life. So just because somebody has had supernatural circumstances around his birth, around his calling, is no guarantee that, uh, uh, that everything will be supernatural in his life. And so it was in the case of Samson. But but here's the wonderful thing. God, he is an ultimate redeemer. Jesus is an ultimate redeemer. So uh, Samson, he wasted his whole life womanizing and, and all that and in the pursuits of the flesh. But in that last moment when he called out to God and, and, uh, and the power of God came on him and uh, at that moment he destroyed the Philistine leadership and he lost his own life. But that one final act of faith when he cried out to the Lord. We never see him crying out to the Lord at any time before that, but that final cry out to the Lord with all his heart, that one cry of faith propelled Samson to the Hebrews 11, uh, uh, I should say, the gallery of the heroes of faith because it says, by faith, Samson. Hallelujah. So even though Samson's life, he, I think he threw it all away. He wasted it. Yet that one last act of faith took him from, uh, he could have, should have been in ignominy, but it propelled him to the Hebrews 11 gallery of faith. So God can still redeem a life that is wasted, a life that is thrown away. But there has to be that repentance. There has to be that cry from the heart of man. And thank God Samson did the right thing at the end. But his life, I don't believe his life should have ended the way it did. But again, so this was uh, another interesting story how God called somebody supernatural every circumstance around even the way he was born and the way he grew up was supernatural okay now the but let us do this let us stop this and i'm going to talk about gideon tomorrow uh, but let's uh, pray together father in the name of jesus i thank you for my brothers and sisters thank you father father for your hand upon their lives upon my life upon all of our lives as we serve you father uh, thank you for your calling, for your blessing, your hand upon our lives. May we be found faithful to serve you, to walk with you, Father, to do your will, to fulfill your purposes so you can work through us. 
in the name of Jesus. Be glorified, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll be seeing you again tomorrow. And tomorrow we're going to talk about another one of another hero in the Bible. We'll see how God called him. And that was a man called Gideon. God bless you.